0: Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. ...impact our lives. And Father, I pray that you would be honored and glorified by all the things we say and do. We would be transformed more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in His name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I have uh, been honored to be here today. Um, I'm humbled by the invitation um, from Pastor Adam and from Randy as well uh, to be a part of what God is doing here. As I sit there and I watch the video with the different slides and just see what uh, God is allowing you to do in and around the world. Um, I'm just honored to get to be a part of it. And so, humbled to get to open God's Word with you to preach today. Um, I'm married. I have uh, uh, two kids. I think we have a picture of my family. There they are. Apparently, we were really tan in the picture on the left. That's my son, Jack, in the middle, and that is my daughter, Piper, on the right. Um, She is very adorable, very cute. She needs that in life. Because um, she is a rascal. Uh, for those of you who have children, be grateful that she is sick today. Uh, she is not down there with your kids. Uh, the other day, you know, I'll, I'll say something nice about her in a minute. Give it a second. Uh, the other day, though, her and her brother got in a little little bit of a fight. It was mostly her hitting him and him going, stop. And uh, so I was trying to, like, restrain her. So I grabbed her, and she is Kicking and doing it, swinging. And so I grabbed her arms and I had her arms kind of behind her back. She headbutt him square in the nose. Um, so that's my daughter. Uh, my son is downstairs and has uh, uh, is, is been down there all day. I haven't seen him. I hope he's well. Uh, I asked him, I said, hey, do you want to come in to one of the services? There's three, and you can hear daddy preach. He's like, what's the other option? Um, I was like, well, they have like a kid's area, and so I was like, we can go down there and look at it, and as soon as he saw the turtles, he's like, I'm not going to listen to you preach today, Dad. So um, he's down there, but we, he and I got here late last night, um, and when we were walking into the hotel, the Hampton Inn on exit 14, uh, we were walking into the hotel, uh, I said, Jack, man, I'm really grateful that you've been, tra-. he travels with me every once in a while now, he's um, He's six, and so I told him when he turns six, he could start traveling with Daddy a little bit. And so when we're walking in the hotel, say, "Hey, buddy, thanks for traveling with me." He said, "Daddy, I really like traveling with you uh, when you go speak; it's fun." And uh, and usually he asking, where are we going to eat?" Because uh, you go to different places. Like last week, I was in British Columbia, uh, Vancouver, British Columbia, preaching last Sunday, and I was speaking at an English-speaking Chinese church, where afterwards we had squid. So. Praise the Lord for LaGrange. Um, <laughs> but as we were walking into the hotel, I, he said, I'm, He said, you know this is all going to change one day, though. And I was like, what are you talking about? He said, like, you know, me going with you when you go to speak and people listen. I was like, oh, really? What are you talking about? I was like, I hope it doesn't change too soon. That's how we eat. Um, and he said, one day, I'm going to be the one speaking. You're going to be traveling with me. And I was like, That'd be fantastic. Let's do that. And uh, so that is my family. I'm very blessed uh, by them. Uh, my wife is is awesome. And uh, they wanted to be here, but my daughter is not feeling well. So we figured we wouldn't spread the germs. So she's at home. Um, hey, I want to, uh, if you have a Bible, I want you to grab it and go to uh, Genesis chapter 12. Now, I know that sounds scary because y'all have been in the book of Genesis for seven years. Uh, <laughs> So I went online to look at some things and see where he'd been and like, wow, getting after Genesis. Uh, no, it's awesome. I, 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 uh, he's not in here right now, so this is great. Uh, he, he told me, he said, hey, I'm going to go and pray with some of our, with the missionaries, you know, doing spiritual things. He said, I'm going to go and pray with some of the missionaries. And I was like, Wow lot of trust here. Uh, I've only been to lunch with you once. This is crazy. So uh, no, I love it. We are going to go to Genesis 12. I'm going to look at a couple verses there. I typically teach through the Bible in a very similar way. I usually take a couple verses or part of a verse and work through it during our time. But today I want to do something completely different over the next 26 minutes with you. Okay. Uh, I have a clock in the back so I know. Uh, 26 minutes with you. I want to work fast Now, I typically take a passage and do very similar to what your pastor does and really just dig into, let's talk about this word right here, like Genesis 1, God created, let's just stop there, let's go with God, and let's talk about that for four weeks. Like, I am kind of that type of uh, teacher of the Bible, but I want to do something totally different in this service than I even did in the last service. I felt like I needed to change it up from the last service. It went well, it didn't like crash and burn, so I was like, let's try something else with this group. Uh, It went well, I just felt Holy Spirit. Maybe telling me to do something a little bit different. And so uh, what I want to do is I want to take 25 minutes and I want to walk through the entire Bible. Now I know that sounds crazy, but if this is a mission, missions emphasis weekend and you had your missions conference and missionaries are here and Friday you had the dinner and all these submission things, I would like for us if we could to take a few minutes and just talk about what is the mission of God according to this book. Because I believe there is a thread that runs throughout the fabric of Scripture that is called the mission of God. But the beauty of the mission of God is I think he's inviting us, ordinary, normal people, into his mission. I Believe that. And so what I want to do is I want to start in Genesis 1. We'll get to Genesis 12. I'll highlight some things, get us to Genesis 12. Genesis 1, God creates everything and it is... Good he creates man and woman genesis one twenty six and twenty seven in his own image, and it is very good, right, so God creates man woman it 's very good. You flip a page according maybe your bible it 's two pages, but you flip a page and you find yourself uh, in a place where sin enters into the story. Eve takes up the fruit, Adam sits by passively in his sin, does nothing, says nothing, both in sin. They break God's commands and therefore brokenness enters into the story. Now, brokenness is what we see from Genesis 3 all the way to Genesis 12. It's horrible. And y'all have been talking through it. it. Just the stuff that happens, the rampant nature of sin, brokenness exists. Here's one thing I know. I live in Atlanta. I live on a street where my wife and I are the only Christians on our street. We're the only ones. Three different nationalities represented on my street. The neighbors across the street, uh, Muslim neighbors who, uh, at their daughter's wedding, invited us to go to their wedding. So we thought, wow, that's, you know, I feel honored that they'd ask. They know exactly what I do for a living. They know that I write books about Jesus being the way to God. They know all that. But we've built an incredible relationship with them. We've invested in them, gotten to know them, hung out with them. Babyset their kids, kept their kids. They've babysat our uh, kids before and just built a relationship. So we go to this wedding. Well, never been to a Muslim wedding. On one side of the room is all the men and on the other side of the room is all the women. And they sit in separate places. But I guess that they decided to honor my wife and I and they let us sit together. But we sat kind of in the middle. And they called it the table of honor. When we got there, they are like, oh, you're, the, you're, the, you're at the table of honor. You're the guest of honor. And we're going, this is unbelievable. So we sat there, incredible food, kept bringing the food, kept bringing the food. Like you eat during this whole ceremony. It was awesome. That's fantastic. <laughs> I don't buy into the belief system, but that part... <laughs> we call that a covered dish meal at the church I grew up in. But But we're sitting there and... Uh, everything is in a completely different language. I don't understand anything. We never understood anything except when they said table of honor, guest of honor, and they took us and we sat down. Until the part in the sermon, or not sermon, in the part of the ceremony where they said, and now, and I thought, that's in English. Huh. Wonder who they're talking to. And now the neighbor will speak. I'm thinking, I don't see anybody else from our street in here. I don't understand what's happening. And so I walk up, and my wife's like, Well, you're the one speaking. This is what you do for a living. It ain't me. Uh, and she's just valid off it. I'm thinking, I'm going to give her the mic somehow in this. And so I, I literally got the mic. I was very uh, bold in my manliness in this moment, and I went, and I handed the wife, my wife uh, the uh, mic, and she. And they were like, a blessing on their marriage. And my here's what my wife said, which is she's not here to defend herself either. She just said to the bride, she said, your hair is so beautiful. <laughs> and then she handed the mic to me. <laughs> and they're like, speak a blessing. And in that moment, I'm like, what in the world am I going to say? Uh, Christian minister from a town, grew up in a town of 6,000 at a Muslim wedding with 500 people. And here I am. So I told them to open up their Bibles, the book of Matthew. I did not do that. Um, I said, I said, uh, I would, we're honored to be here. I pray blessings on your marriage, and I pray the blessing of Jesus to your marriage. That's all I said. And I sat down. Now, in that moment, what happened next? I'm just kidding. Nothing happened. Uh, Do you know like preachers tell stories? It's like I was on the airplane and I shared the gospel with the person next to me. Next thing you know, I was on the mic and the whole place came to Christ before the plane even landed. I don't have those stories. I'm regular. I'm a normal guy. But here's the thing. Um, Here's what I can tell you and the reason I even tell you that story. One, let's laugh together. Two... My neighbors, who are Muslim, here's what we agree on. The world is broken. The world's broken. My neighbor, uh, uh, Drew, who doesn't believe in God or any type of God at all, he and I agree that the world is broken. Scott and Tracy, we believe that the world is broken. Uh, my neighbors uh, Cliff and Hope and their son Dakota. We talk about it because here's all you got to do. Open up the app on your phone, news app, and go look at CNN or Fox News or uh, NBC or whatever your choice is. Fair and balanced. I don't care. Either way, look at that app and what do you see in the stories? Brokenness. Look at the newspaper. Brokenness. Watch the news. Brokenness. There's crime. There's cheating. There's lying. There's war. There's pain. There's hurt. That's the world we live in. That's Genesis. We see it in Genesis. We see Genesis 3. We see the brokenness begin to take place. But here's what I love about our God. He doesn't sit back apathetically. No, he aggressively and boldly steps into the story. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 say something. And this is where you're going, gosh, man, you are really far into this time period that you've got to speak and you've not gone through the Bible yet. It's about to speed up. Genesis 12, 1 and 2. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And you, all the families of the earth, shall be blessed. And this is where it talks about the descendants of Abraham. Right? Father Abraham and many sons and many fun said Father Abraham, right? Like, this whole lineage starts through Abraham. But what you can look at is here. God says, I'm going to bless you, Abram, so you can be a blessing to the nations. But there's a thread, that thread of the mission of God that's coming out. Because from there, if you follow the bloodline of Abram, where does it land? Jesus. It lands on Jesus. So even in this passage, there is the pointing towards this gospel, this good news, that there is one who is coming, who is going to take what is broken and make it whole. It's going to take what is old and make it new. It's going to take what has no purpose and give eternal value and purpose. That Jesus is coming. You will be blessed. And so from Genesis 12, this is where we hit the fast-forward button a little bit. From there to the end of the book, the Old Testament, what do we see? We see prophets, we see priests, we see kings, we see judges. Prophets, priests, kings, and judges. And then if you want to turn in your Bible really quickly to Malachi chapter 4, verse 6. Malachi chapter 4, verse 6. So... Prophets, priests, kings, judges, all pointing to, all talking about the one who is coming, all uh, fighting against the obedience to be obedient to the one who is coming. We see prophets, priests, kings, and judges throughout the Old Testament. And then we get to Malachi chapter 4, verse 6. This is a verse that if you're wanting to go into the Christian coffee mug making business, do not put this verse on the coffee mug. Don't put it on a bumper sticker. Stick with the deer, panthers by the water verse. This one right here doesn't work. But it's in the Bible, so we got to read it. Malachi 4, verse 6. And he will turn the hearts of their fathers to their children and the hearts of their children to their fathers. Now listen to this verse. Lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. And then what do they hear Next. So, like, all Old Testament, brokenness, sins of Abram, prophets, priests, kings, judges, then, oh, by the way, if you don't do what I say, destruction. What do they hear? Exactly. Silence. For 400 years. No prophets they speak of, no priests, kings, judges speaking for the Lord. They hear nothing for 400 years. Can you imagine that? Don't do what I say. Destruction. And by the way, now I'm going to be silent for 400 years. And then the silence is broken by the cry of a baby in a cave in Bethlehem. Jesus is born. I love the humility in which he enters into the story. could have come with armies, could have come in parades, but now he shows up in the humility of a baby. And then Jesus lives the life that you and I could not live. A life that no prophet, no priest, no king, no judge lived. A life of holiness and perfection. Then he dies the death that we rightfully earned because of our sin. This is the gospel, by the way. Then he conquered Satan's sin and death on our behalf. And he offers forgiveness and grace. And he preaches this good news, this gospel, and says, repent of your sin and you can be made new. And that's what Jesus does. And that is the gospel. He gives us grace. He gives what we do not deserve. Listen, if there's nothing that you hear me say, nothing you hear me say moving forward, Jesus changes everything. It's just that simple. He comes in, he breaks the silence, and he changes everything. And my challenge to you and my challenge to me is there is nothing more fulfilling than abandoning your own mission and joining the everyday mission of God. If he calls you to go, go. If he calls you to stay, you stay. But wherever you are, it's life on mission. Whether it's an office complex, a third world country, or a college campus, life on mission is the calling on our lives. That we join in this mission. The one he gave Abram. The one he gave Joshua. The one that he gives to his disciples. Because here's what we know. There is no such thing as an unsent Christian. Do you hear me? No such thing as an unsent Christian. We are all sent by God to live out the mission of God wherever we are. John twenty twenty one says, Just as the Father sent me, so I send you. So if we're called to be like Jesus he was sent he looks at you and he looks at me he says just as I was sent so I send you then Matthew 28 19 go and make disciples of all nations and then Acts 1 8 you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem Judea Samaria and to the ends of the earth do not those passages sound really similar to one in Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 through 2 I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing to the what Nations, I want to take you, ordinary you, and I want to pour into you so that you can then go out with the mission of God. This good news that there is one who has come. So that my neighbor across the street can hear, no, there's one who's good. There's nothing you have to do to earn it. See, that's what I love about what we have in the gospel, every other religion in the world offers advice: do this and this will happen; do this and this will happen; do this and this will happen. That's Dr. Phil. That's Oprah. Do this and this will happen. Do you know what we have? We don't have advice. We have news, and it's the greatest news in the world. There is one who has come who's lived the life you cannot live, died the death you deserve, conquered Satan and death on your behalf. He gives you what you don't deserve. What do you have to do? Confess and believe. He's the one that does the work. Love that good news. I don't want to get over it. So Jesus delivers that message to them. We're into the New Testament now. And there's a guy by the name of Peter. Was he an extraordinary, unbelievable, gifted guy? No, he was the guy who got kicked out of rabbinical school and became a fisherman with his father because he didn't make it in school. Peter, in the power of the Holy Spirit, preaches the gospel... And 3,000 Jewish men come to know Christ that day. That doesn't include the women and the children. So some scholars say it could be ten to 15,000. We'll go 10,000 just to be safe. 10,000 people came to know Christ that day. That was a good sermon. Like, have you ever wondered, how, man, how'd that sermon go? Well, 10,000 people came to Christ. We're still working on it, though. He's getting better. I mean, do you know what his sermon was? Just go read his sermon. He stood out in front of people, and he's like, I just want to let you guys all know, you killed Jesus. You're sin, you killed Jesus, you should repent from that. And they're all like, Yeah, he's right, let's do that. (laughs) What? (laughs) Peter, you didn't even go to seminary. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Right? It's unbelievable. Like, what does baptizing 10,000 people look like at one time? I don't know. But I'd love to be there, and I believe we can see it. You know there's 30,000 people just in LaGrange who don't know the gospel, who don't believe in Jesus? Just here. Not even the outskirts. Not out in the county. Like in LaGrange that do not have the gospel. 30,000 people. I'd love to see 10,000 of those in one day come to Christ. And here's what I believe. The same power that raised Christ from the dead that lived in Peter in this moment lives in you. In mean, 10,000. It's like, alright everybody. Uh, to the edge of the pool, I'm going to count the three. Alright. Uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, jump! Like I don't know, but I love it. And then from there, we see this amazing move of God. We see throughout the Book of Acts in the early church. So let's run through the Book of Acts in the early church in three minutes. Here's what we see: we see people praying, believing, and speaking the gospel. Praying, believing, and speaking the gospel. Praying, believing, and speaking the gospel. Praying, believing, serving them, speaking the gospel. Praying, believing, serving them, speaking the gospel. That's what we see. Then all of a sudden, you see the gospel go from just the nation of Israel now to the Gentile world. What church started that? Acts 13, the church at Antioch. Unbelievable church. Greatest mission, like their missions conference, huge, amazing. Like they had an unbelievable church at Antioch, what they did. Like they were the responsible church that the gospel. Do you know who they sent out as their missionaries? Paul and Barnabas. That's a good day kind of wrote most of the bible through the power of the holy spirit like this is unbelievable this church but here's the question i have for you this amazing church sending out missionaries they're responsible for seeing acts 1-8 kind of fulfilled like you see it through this church who started that church silence because you know why there's silence we don't know here's what we do know study your bibles We know this. The apostles, those who got like the major, amazing training with Jesus himself, weren't even there. They had not even reached that place yet. So guess what? The church in Antioch was not started by the all-star rock star we've been with Jesus guys. Not against those guys. Pretty good. Pretty happy with them. Like, unbelievable. My point is this. Many scholars, uh, my good friend David Platt, who's a scholar, says... Most likely, it was farmers who had no formal training. So, the greatest missions church of the entire first century, that's by the way, responsible, if you will, for getting the gospel to you, because most of us in this room, I would imagine, are Gentile, was started by a group of normal, ordinary farmers. What's my point? If we're going to see a move of God across North America, it's going to be on the backs of everyday, ordinary people like me and you. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a teacher. You don't have to have... By the way, you guys, totally unfair. You've stacked the deck here. You have three ladies who can sing unbelievable... I was sitting there thinking, that's not fair. Like, that's totally unfair to every other church in LaGrange, and Georgia, and Alabama, and everywhere else. All three of them... But you don't have to be able to sing like that. I'm sure these farmers probably didn't sing all that great. Like, who was the worship band that led worship there? What albums did they come out with in Antioch? You don't know the name of it. I don't either. What books did the guy that started the church in Antioch, what, what books did he write? We don't know. But we look and we go, this church responsible for the gospel, literally getting to right here. Unbelievable. Who are those people today? Nameless, faithless. nameless, faithful, not faithless, faithful followers of Jesus. These are lawyers, moms, FedEx workers, baristas, CEOs, teachers, farmers. That's who this is. And so, when we look at this grand map of the world, and you go, how in the world are we going to get the gospel to the 4.7 billion people who don't have it? Here's where you can start. There's 30,000 people here who don't have Christ. You may have been wondering, why in the world are we putting a pen where we live on the map? The government knows enough about us already. Now the church has got to know where I live. Alright. The reason this is up here is this. Where do you start in this grand scheme of this map? Until God calls you to go somewhere else. Uh, I love it. I don't know who lives here. But these two people, you guys live on the same street. And then right around the corner in your neighborhood, they live on the same street. What about that circle? Are there any people of the 30,000 who don't have the gospel? Okay, start there. Maybe an Antioch uh, begins. Right here. And I know like over here you're going, man, I don't know, Long Cove Drive. Whew, nobody's out there. No, you are. You are, and you have the gospel. I don't know who these where you live, but but I'm telling you this, thirty thousand people can't fit in this building. Because it's not about what the seating capacity of this church is, it's about what the sending capacity of this church is. And you're sent, there's your spot, go for it. That's what happened with these farmers in Antioch, but from there what happens? The year forty two, then Mark goes to Egypt. This will be fast. The year 49, Patrick then goes to Turkey. The year 174, we see the first Christians reported in Austria. By the year 280, there are reports of churches in northern Italy. And then by the year 350, there are 31.7 million people who claim Jesus is Lord. What? That's insa- like, exactly what God said he was going to do to these ordinary fishermen, Peter. I mean, he's just doing it. And in the year 432, Patrick then heads to Ireland. Have Ever heard of him? We celebrate him in March. Interesting how we celebrate him. We wear green, we pinch each other. You know what the guy did? He was wrongfully enslaved in Ireland. And by this might blow some of your minds. He wasn't Irish. He wasn't Irish, he was English. Enslaved there. God breaks his heart for the people, so he goes back as a missionary. And during his time, he planted 700 churches This was a slave, former slave, who plants 700 churches. Year 635, reports of missionaries in China. Year 900, first missionaries reach Norway. The year 1200, the Bible had then been translated into 22 different languages. I'm grateful for that. The church I spoke in last week, within a 10-mile radius of the church I spoke at last week in Vancouver, uh, 220 languages are spoken. So praise the Lord that the Bible in the year 1200 had then been into 22 different languages. And then I need some help here. In the year 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Yes. And with it, he brought the Holy Scriptures to the Americas. And then in the year 1772, Daniel Marshall started Coyote Baptist Church just 17 miles outside of Augusta, Georgia. By the way, that'd be the first church in Georgia. It still exists to this day. I preached there two years ago. And then some 40 years or so ago, there was another church that was started called Rosemont Baptist Church. And then on August the 23rd of 2015, here you and I sit. That's Genesis 12 to right here. I lied to you. I told you the whole Bible and all of church history. I did my best. Adam will get out of Genesis. So, how does that practically look in the everyday life. How are we going to live that out where we are? How are you going to join the mission? Because here's what I'm telling you. The mission of God is on your shoulders. Adam, Randy, the guys who lead this church, yeah, they've got to live mission where they are. But do you know what their role primarily is in this church? Ephesians 4 says they are to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. It's on you. It's not about the seating capacity in these buildings as much as it is about the sending capacity of where you can go. So where do you go? If God calls you to go to Zambia, if God calls you to go to South Asia, if God calls you to go to New York, you go. But for now, this is where you are. You make disciples right where you are. Know your neighbor's name. Get to know their story. Share the gospel with them. Love them. Have them into your home to eat meals with you. So I have two minutes and I'm going to give you four words and you're going to get to go through this within your study that you're going to do uh, the Life on Mission study. But I just want to give you four words. They all start with I, so it's easy. Identify, invest, invite, and increase. Identify, invest, invite, and increase. One more time. Identify. Invest, invite, increase. Identify the people around you that God's calling you. Who are these people? Who lives on your street? Who coaches the team that you, uh, is your rival in the rec department here? Who is it that God is putting in your path to share the gospel? We always think, oh, I've got to add something to my life to live on mission. No, I think sometimes if we just identify and we intersect the gospel into everyday life. Number two, invest. First Thessalonians 2.8 says, not only did we share with you the gospel, we shared our lives with you as well. What's it like for you to give of yourself to serve people the way Jesus served people? Identify I invest. Invite. Invite people into biblical community, not just on a Sunday. Invite them to your house, have a meal. Have Christians there, have non-Christians there, and watch God work. I call it network evangelism. It's amazing. It happens in our front yard all the time. Move your grill from the back of your house and put it in the front of your house. We've seen amazing things happen just on that simple thing in our neighborhood. And then increase. And that's where I close. Increase. See, I think so often when it comes to mission, we think addition, but we gotta think intersection. And as we think intersection and we invite people in, then here's what God does. God brings about the increase. First Thessalonians or First Corinthians three seven says, So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. So what's the story of this whole thing? The mission of God? Who does he use? People like Abram. People like Peter. Farmers. Former murderers like Paul. So the thread that runs throughout this, the mission of God, is God taking ordinary, unschooled people, as Acts 4.13 says, and using them in incredible ways. Now when I look at the mission of God, I get nervous. I get really nervous. Because... I'm afraid my neighbors aren't going to like me. And I'm afraid they're going to reject me. But you know, it's interesting because uh, there's two of our neighbors who do not have the gospel at all. And uh, you know, the other day, I've, been, I've asked them to read stuff with me and talk through things with me. I've shared the gospel. We're good friends. We go on vacation with them. And one of them, uh, the other day, his name's Vince. Vince looked at me and said, Hey, you know I don't read. I tried to read your book and I fell asleep a lot. So, I hope that study goes well uh, for you guys. He said, man, I tried reading the Bible when I was in Leviticus. And I was like, well, that's your problem. But either Leviticus is long. (laughs) I don't fully understand it either. But we're talking and he's like, hey, but I saw this series on Netflix called The Bible. Could you and I just watch that and like talk about it? I'm like, yeah, they got like some kind of weird angel ninjas in it. But other than that, it's pretty good. (laughs) Um, But here's my question. Why Why is my neighbor saying that? I didn't say that. I didn't come up with, oh, we should go to Netflix. Why is he saying that? Because God is going to bring the increase. God's drawing him in. Or like his wife looking at my wife today and going, hey, by the way, I would love to just study the Bible with you. Is that possible? Then we get together like an hour a week and just read through it and talk about what it says and what it means wife's going, uh, I probably should have had that idea, but I didn't. But she did. Why would she have that idea? She's never been in church. Because the Holy Spirit is drawing her. He's bringing about the increase. So often we think there's so much pressure on us. The pressure's not on us. The Lord carries the weight of salvation. Not man. So I grew up. My dad was a construction worker. Blue collar. And so I got to be a part of the construction crew. Well, not really. I was just the gopher. I showed up and I would like run and go get nails, run and go get. I just got them whatever they want. Hey, boy, go fill up the water. I'd go get the water, bring it back. Here's your jug. That's all I did. At 12 years old, my dad brought me before the construction crew. He stopped and said, hey, guys, before we get going this morning, uh, y'all know my son Dustin. He's been a gopher for you guys. I mean, that's really what I was called. He said, but today, he literally, he is going to be on the crew. And I'm thinking, that's right. Some respect around here. <laughs> huh. So I joined the crew that day. But here's how it works. My dad brings me before all these guys. He gives me a nail apron. And then, fresh, nobody's ever used it, he hands me a hammer. I'm like, this is like. I mean, that's like being knighted in the South, right? It's like, here's your hammer, boy. Yes, sir. So I take that hammer. And he's like, all right. We were nailing the subfloor. The line had already been chalked. He's like, Get after it. I'm like, Well, what are they doing? And they all just kind of watched me. So I got down and I'm shaking. My hand is shaking. I put that nail down and I swing. All right, hit or miss? Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Uh, <laughs> this is really encouraging. Um, you're right, though. I totally missed. And I hit the floor embarrassing moment like hey everybody uh, swing again hit or miss yes. come on get it, two times I hit my thumb <laughs> and now my thumb has a heart a heartbeat in it and that's weird so tears are welling my eyes but I'm not about to cry in front of all these guys so now third swing not going to ask you over here what you think I hit it the nail and then what happens S. The nail now looks like an S. So I look at everybody. I'm so embarrassed. It's just, it's just difficult. So then I go over to the side. Tap, tap, tap. Oh, whoop. Over to this side. Tap, tap, tap. Anybody ever been there? Ever done that? Had to straighten the nail out? Have you done it when like 12 construction guys are looking over your shoulder and you're 12 years old? It was embarrassing. So then I swing again and then the S becomes a reverse S and goes the other way. And I'm getting ready to drop the hammer, leave. I'm done with this place. And my dad comes down and he kneels right beside me. he says, "Son, we can do this. We can do this." I was like, uh, "Have you been watching?" <laughs> no, no, I, I can't." And he puts his hand right on top of my hand. And we take and we swing. And there's a lot of trust, because my hand's holding the nail, <laughs> and we swing. Bam. And then the nail goes down. And I'm like, okay, that worked. We move down the line. Bam. 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 And then the nail goes down. And then nail after nail after nail. Just down, down, down. Just working the chalk line. And I'm like looking around at this point going, how about that, fellas? Huh? Well, respect. Be running this company by the end of today. I didn't say that, but I thought it. And then I'm moving on to the next shot. I'm just going right down. But then I had a, a little bit of a revelation, if you will. My dad's hand had not moved. His hand was still right there on top of my hand. Because he was doing the heavy lifting. He was the one hitting the nail. He was the one making it happen. And I believe that that is how the mission of God works. God's looking at you, and he's looking at me as our father, and he's saying... Do you want to go to work with me today? I want you on the crew. But all he's asking us to do is put our hand on the hammer and then he will do the work. So my question is, where's our construction site, if you will? Well, it's right here. Now, if God calls you to go, then you go. And guess what? You just went to a new construction site. The hammer's no different. The father who's putting his hand on it's no different whether you're here or there. So what is it like for you to identify, invest, invite, and then for God to bring about the increase and do the work? So my question is, do we want to go to work with our dad? What does that look like where you are? Knowing your neighbor's names, investing in their lives, inviting them to be a part of things, and then watching God hit it every time the way that only he can do. That's my prayer for this church. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for... Your kindness that leads us to repentance. We thank you that you allow us to be a part of your story. That you have invited us to go to work with you, Lord. And the encouraging thing in our hearts and the encouragement that I have this morning is this. You are working. You're at work. And you're simply inviting us to join you in that work. Lord, my prayer is is that we would accept that invitation. That we would join you in this incredible mission that you've given us right where we are. That we would boldly and bravely take hold of the hammer and we'd identify those around us. Help us do that, Lord. Show us what that looks like. I pray there would be surrender in us today. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Let me just say this. Uh, Pastor Adam is up here. If there's any of you that need to talk with him, maybe there's, uh, hey, I've been join- been hanging out here for a while. I want to make this my church. The people that I live out the mission of God with, you can come and talk to Adam specifically about that. Others of you, as I've talked about this incredible gospel message, this good news that Jesus has come, maybe for you, you've never fully surrendered to that. Maybe today's that time where you come and you do that and you confess and allow God to work in your own soul but then that group of us and I think I'm in this category often there needs to be a daily surrender to go on to work with our Father to join Him in this incredible history sweeping mission He wants to take ordinary people like me, like you to take forth this good news so maybe you come and this acts as an altar an altar is a place where you sacrifice and you say Lord I give this to you So maybe there's things you're holding on to. Maybe there's the comforts of living comfortable Christianity and you're like, I don't want that anymore. I want to live boldly out. Maybe you just come and it's an opportunity for you to surrender before the Lord. Either way, this is your time to respond to God. So if you will, let's stand and we'll sing together.